0: Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation, all the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of cha-dao. This will be the focus of this podcast developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine, Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all of the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, And let's drink some tea together.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. I am Janos. This time, I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast a dear tea brother, Andy Taylor, for a discussion on the eight branches of traditional Chinese medicine. Andy practices Chinese medicine in Bali and has written articles on the topic in Global Tihat, including about the eight branches that we will be discussing in this episode. If you haven't already, then go check out that article in the November 2021 issue. Here is my conversation with Andy. Welcome back to the podcast, Andy.
0: Thanks, Kenyanos.
1: Uh, last time we discussed um, your journey with uh, Chinese medicine and, and some of the topics of um, Chinese medicine in general, but this time I wanted to sit down with you again and uh, talk more specifically about the uh, what are called the eight branches of um, Chinese medicine that you also um, wrote an article about in the November 2021 issue. But uh, before we dive into that uh, rich t- topic, I forgot to ask you something last time uh, that I want to ask now and want to start this podcast off with. So for listeners who didn't listen to the last podcast with you or aren't familiar with you, uh, you used to live in Taiwan and, uh, and used to live in the um, T-Sage Hut. So what I wanted to ask you last time but forgot was... Um, um, what are some of your biggest takeaways or lessons from your time in the TSA chat?
0: Oh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> um, to boil it down to a few. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, that was when I lived there. That was, um, now we're looking at like seven years ago, that I was at TSA chat. And uh, for me personally, it was a really, transformative time living there was i was living there for by 15 months yeah i don't think it's just one or two lessons i think it was more a a way of life and and a way of being to live live life in a more intentional way and to really see the the sacredness in everything and um you know, because at the tea stage at everything there were just so many lessons every day to to be learned, and and so much that that we did. Um, the main thing is one of the things Buddha says is like to take that that spiritual experience, you know, like in your practice, and you know, Zen is like taking that and. Crushing it up and that spiritual experience and like sprinkling it on everything throughout your day. So that was the, um, I think one of the biggest things that that I I, I took from that and and uh, yeah certainly uh, since since I left it was yeah it was certainly. I had a good challenge to really implement that because when I was living in the TSA sage hut, it was, uh, it was really easy to, to kind of be in that, uh, be in that space. And uh, so really just creating this, um, like everywhere you go is, is your bring tea throughout the day.
2: Mm.
0: Like Buddha has that, uh, that saying in his room, you know, from, I forget exactly how it goes, but from when I wake up my first breath until uh, my last breath of the day, I'm I'm pouring tea. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest lesson that uh, I I took from my time there.
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of my lessons that I'm working on constantly as well is to uh, not create any sort of divide between the... You know between my practice and my life essentially and to view everything as, as practice or like you said just taking that Zen experience and like uh, crushing it up and, and sprinkling it on onto everything and not viewing you know something as as really ordinary or mundane and, and another thing as sacred but uh, but viewing it as everything is both it's it's sacred and it's also ordinary and And also the the mundane things are are sacred and are my practice so that's definitely a a beautiful lesson Um, how how has that been for you now that you live in Bali Um, do you feel that some days are better than than others in terms of you know using that wisdom or or are you able to um, practice that all the time
0: yeah i think it's it's something that certainly has to yeah that's why i call it a practice right so yeah as as i said it's you know certainly living there at the tsa was uh you know you're, you're in that space you're you're constantly being reminded and there was and i'm the type of person that actually i work really well when there's um there's structure around me, so there's someone, or someone, or something, whatever environment I'm in, um, has organized that that structure. So, so living there at at the, at the hut, you know, the, the structure was there. I knew, okay, what time uh, we had to start meditation, and we had our schedule for the day. Uh, you know, making whether it was making breakfast or preparing for tea. Uh, doing the same for lunch. Um, it was very regimented, so I, I, I can thrive. I really do thrive in that environment. So I think. Uh, so for me, since i would left the Tsech hut and still, um, yeah, struggling and, and working with this is is, is cre- you know creating my own my own structure and, and, and discipline. And, um, you know, like, like what this says, just, you know, the practice is not the primary practice. Your, your primary practice is to, to make space for meditation. So, Mm -hmm. or something, something along those lines. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, I think, I think for me is, is that's why it's a practice, right? Because you're, you're always striving to, um you know it's like say in in, in athletics or sports yeah you're, you're practicing so that when you when the time comes to in your event or in your match or when it's time to play you know all that work that you've done that practice that you put into it okay now it's becomes actualized so in this way you know this this whatever our practice is it's so that when you're you know, in your day and, and de- you know, on dealing with the the mundane things that uh, uh are try try us and, and try to throw us off our, our you know our, our peaceful equilibrium, throw us off the mat that that we're able to, you know, those those practices are like ingrained within us, you know, so it, it it's just like a you don't have to think about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yes, it has. And so so to <laughs> so to answer the question, I think it yeah it's certainly um, you know being being in the community and, and around people uh, sharing that practice is, is you know really beneficial and, and uh, yeah it's been it's been a personally a challenge since then but but also it's uh, it's a blessing because. You know not now I need to and uh, you know essentially
2: need to do it on my own hmm
1: yeah I agree um, structure definitely helps and living in the tea center uh, you know it's like living in a little bubble of Zen and tea and uh, when you leave this you know bubble then the challenge becomes how can I create the space um, around me that supports my practice. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, always like to ask this question, um, from people who have spent some time either taking a course in the T-Sage Hut or lived there, um, uh, for a period of time to kind of check in and see how they're doing and, and how the, um, what are their challenges with, um, or what their journey is like with, uh, you know, taking those lessons and actually applying them out in the world. Um, It's always interesting to to listen to these answers. Um, But now to the topic of this um, podcast episode, the eight branches of um, Chinese medicine. Um, The reason why I wanted to talk about this uh, was that because for a Western person, or at least for me, uh, when somebody mentions Chinese medicine, um, usually what comes to mind is, is two things. Um, there's the, the part of the Ch- Chinese herbalism, all those you know medicinal herbs and then acupuncture. Um, so when I opened Global Tea Hut, um, the November issue and started reading about the eight branches, I actually didn't even realize that there were so many branches to Chinese medicine. And um, perhaps we can just um, go through and provide some context. And uh, can you give us a little overview of like what these eight branches of Chinese medicine are?
0: Sure. Um, so the, the eight branches of Chinese medicine are, are essentially different practices um, that are used to to improve the we can say the the health and well-being of either in, uh, an environment or our, our physical body. So these are not, even though they we say they're the branches of Chinese medicine, it, it doesn't mean that somebody may practice all of these. Um, certainly what you had said, uh, your your idea of Chinese medicine being herbal medicine and acupuncture that is uh, or those are the the two main branches that you would come across uh if you were to see say a chinese medicine doctor but of of course uh these practices aren't limited to uh to to doctors so if uh you wanted to You know, you you could say acupuncture, herbal medicine is working more on the uh, more like bodily level. Yeah. Whereas if as opposed to the other end of the spectrum would be would be using the the trigrams and the and the the Bagua and the I Ching, which is, you know, working working with divination. So working more with the cosmos. So there's uh, there's more practical uh practices like body work and of course nutrition and then there's the more ethereal side uh, like like the EJing and also feng shui but they all they all share the same the same principles and or, or similar principles and similar ideologies within uh, of course uh, keeping the flow of Qi and in uh, our body and our environment.
1: Mm. Yeah, so I think the biggest surprise for me was yeah the what you already mentioned the cosmology, that you know thinking in terms of um, of Chinese medicine also, including the Chinese cosmology, which actually you know if you think about it there's it, it makes a lot of sense. To include that as well and then you know there's there's body work there's feng shui there's um food ter- therapy which of course goes hand in hand i think with uh, herbal medicine and then movement like you mentioned qigong and um and then also meditation
0: yeah i think i think it's important that we under you know uh, to understand or give a definition to medicine right so medicine is normally what we in the west think of as something that you ingest into your body but medicine comes in different forms right so what is uh buddha in, in the in one of his books right uh, Tea medicine yeah i think he defines medicine as that which uh, connects us with nature and spirit so I think it's important to understand when looking at the eight branches is that uh, yeah medicine is not confined to you know something that just is for our for our bodies
1: right and I feel like the view of, of medicine in in the Chinese culture also is more like you said in the last podcast more holistic so it does also include the you know, our mental state, our mental health, not just uh, our physical health, right?
0: Yeah, certainly. And I also think in, in society, um, at least as you know, I've lived in Taiwan, I don't know so much about China, but Taiwanese society seems like they always wanting to keep things in this, this harmony you know, so I, everything is done, uh, to keep things like to smooth, you know, even, even in the way people conversate and, and, and talk kind of the flow of it is not to create kind of like this, uh, you know, head budding or, or, or you can say disharmony. Yeah. So, so like, uh, say something for Chinese New Year, you know, they're always making sure everything is, uh, you know, appeasing and very say auspicious and, and, and lucky in that way. You don't want to keep every you're having the right foods and even the words that are auspicious. So you're, you're keeping harmony, your house, you're keeping in harmony with say the heavens, mm-hmm. ancestors,
1: yeah definitely the same for me like living here in Taiwan has really like kind of opened my eyes to a totally different view of seeing things and not to say that I understand Asian culture but I do have some insight after after these few years that I've lived here and and one of them one of the understandings uh, or one of the realizations that I've had is that harmony is is really is a really important thing or concept to not only the Chinese culture, but in, in Asia and in general. So I feel like um, these eight branches also are, in a way, like all bringing harmony to um, both the body and the mind and and to, I guess, the the human experience in general.
0: Yeah, and, and the beautiful thing about, about them is that, um, you know, a lot of these you can you don't, you don't even know the part of Chinese medicine is that you don't need a doctor and, uh, you can, you can do it yourself. You can, you know, you can have your own meditation practice. You can implement, uh, principles of feng shui. Um, you can easily learn and practice Tai Chi and, and Qigong, even, even the, uh, massage, you can do self massage and self acupressure on, on these, points and 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 I think I think one thing to to understand about this um, these concepts and practices uh, Chinese medicine is that the the changes are are very subtle you know they're not like so they can be they can be gross uh, sudden changes but you know it's it's very on the you know just the idea of qi is something that's um you know really we're talking about the the subtle the subtle body so sometimes you know the idea in the thought the 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 thought of many people in taiwan is that oh chinese medicine is good but it works very slowly as opposed to western medicine which um is stronger and works quicker mm-hmm so so that's that's kind of the subtle nature of chinese medicine is that it, it it's slow in its changes but um they can be more profound
1: yeah small small changes uh add up over time for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so just uh for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the uh, with your article in Global Tea Hut, I'm just going to list the eight branches once again. So it's um, meditation, movement, food therapy or nutrition, herbal medicine, acupuncture, bodywork, feng shui, and cosmology. So out of these uh, eight branches, I understand that the the ones that you are working with uh, on a daily basis are the
0: acupuncture branch and the, the
1: herbal medicine
0: and also uh, body work so I do osteopath slash chiropractic in my practice right yes mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, I yeah I find I'm um, still after 14 years of, of being in practice I'm still you know, I, I, I become amazed and, and surprised sometimes and just in awe of the, the power of something like acupuncture because of the, you know, even though we did say there's there's uh, slow changes that, that happen, um, it's also very powerful and you, and you can create some, some real uh, significant change. In a, in a short amount of time. So the, the world of acupuncture is, is really vast and there's so much to learn um, because of the, you know, the history of it you know, over 2000 years and acupuncture has, has, you know, began in China and then it, it spread to Japan and Korea. So you have uh, Japanese, uh, acupuncture, Japanese meridian therapy. You have Korean style of acupuncture. You there's also a few uh, famous Taiwanese doctors and their system of acupuncture is is um, very well documented and, and taught in the West. So there's um, you know like any any of these East Asian arts and uh, philosophies and practices that have a long history there's many different lineages and and schools that uh, are are coming out of this like yoga and and tea and and martial arts and and calligraphy um just like this acupuncture and, and chinese herbal medicine also have their different uh, their schools and, and lineages. So there's just uh, so much to learn. And that's, for me personally, it's one of the, the beautiful things about Chinese medicine is that uh, it, it is similar to tea. There's a life uh, of learning to be done whole lifelong of uh, things to study and, and especially with I feel with acupuncture because there's so much variety in what you can do uh, with acupuncture that, um, yeah, I need a few lifetimes to, to study everything.
1: Right. Um, the patients And that,
0: that still wouldn't be enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely a vast topic. Um, the patients that come to your clinic are they coming uh, specifically for acupuncture or or one of the other therapies that you do or do they just come with a particular ailment and ask for your diagnosis and then you say whether they need acupuncture or is it body work that they need or um, some some um, chinese herbs
0: yeah uh, sure it's, uh, it's usually both um you know some people come and you know know what know what they want may not be what they need but they say oh i need you know i i I want an adjustment you know i want some osteopath um and then most people will come in and and of course just say okay um, this is what's wrong with me What, what can you do to help me you know, I'm certainly this is part of the art of Chinese medicine is understanding um, what's going to be best, uh, what the best therapy will be for somebody. And what's what's uh, what's appropriate for their body, you know, whether that's um, you know, because I'm doing the osteopathic chiropractics, for some people it's it's a little bit too too strong, you know, ma- manipulating the body, and, and certainly they'll they'll uh, they'll let you know if if that's not something they want. There are some people that you know really you can do acupuncture on them, but to create significant change, they need to adjust. Uh, say their their hip or or their spine so so yeah a lot of it is is just through through practice and practice and experience to understand what somebody needs
1: Mm. so it seems to me that these eight branches are also complementary at least to an extent
0: um yeah absolutely so um I think when when we spoke last time, we, you know, we're we're on the subject of, say, uh, hot and cold within the body. Mm -hmm. So um, when, if somebody has an excess of cold in the body, then our acupuncture and moxa treatment is going to be aimed at, you know, a lot of moxa to warm the body. We're going to burn a lot of moxa to Create to to put in more yang young chin in the body. Then the herbs that we prescribe are going to be. There's a, somewhere in the formula. There's going to be some warming herbs uh, that are warming to interior of the body. Then the food that we would recommend is going to be warming foods. So say something, uh, especially here in Bali, you need to be careful with people eating you know, smoothie bowls and uh, drinking coconut water and drinking, drinking juices, uh, yogurt, things like this, which um, even though they're, they're healthy, they are mind out that they're definitely not good for, for that person that has uh, too much cold in their body those are all all uh, cold in nature So we prescribe herbs uh, pre- recommend warming foods and then also you could uh, you know just your lifestyle so again here in Bali it's very common that where you live it's a tile floor right so you have a tile floor and right now, uh, it's quite hot, so you're probably in a lot of walking around rooms that are in the air conditioning. So these tile floors get quite cold, and if you walk around barefoot, which many of us do here in Bali, then that cold is going to those cold tiles. That cold chi is going to enter through your uh, through the bottom of your feet and and affect your all your meridians. So actually, in, in China, um, it's very it's common practice that women when they're on their moon cycle that they're always wearing socks. You know, they're not walking barefoot uh, to to preserve the warmth. Yeah, and then also uh, same idea. This is very common in Taiwan to uh, not drink iced drinks when you're uh on your moon cycle or or that could be any time actually so in taiwan they they'll have uh when you order a go to a tea shop they have as you know they have the different levels of ice you know five different levels of how much ice you want so <laughs> that's right yeah so so it, it kind of goes across the board when you're yeah when, when you when you know know what's happening to someone's body and then and then can uh use these different branches to to guide you into what the the what they should be doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: i understand that there's a lot of learning um that you see a lot of like potential learning in uh, acupuncture and that seems to be something that you are really interested and passionate about what about the other branches are are there other branches that you are Uh, very interested in or um, that you're you're learning about currently?
0: Uh, I've spent the past uh, three, four years, um, studying with a teacher of mine, she's in, uh, she's Canadian, but she lives in China. And uh, I've been studying herbal medicine with her. So so yeah, this, this past uh, four, four plus years of my practice, has um, really been dedicated to to understanding more about uh, herbal medicine and, and specifically this this uh, lineage of we say classical herbal medicine that uh, I've been studying because her, uh, again you know herbal medicine it, like all, all of these other practices uh, the 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 Chinese materia medica is, is so big. And there's just hundreds and hundreds of uh, herbal substances. And, you know, when you're in school, you have like, uh, you know, two large textbooks with hundreds of herbal formulas that that you need to know for your your exam. So uh, for many years, uh, herbs for me was always something that was um, uh, like I, I knew. Of course, I knew about it because I, I studied, um, but I didn't feel like I had this this like really tight grasp on it. Like anyone that had an issue, that say, "Hey, I want to take some herbs," that I felt confident uh, to to make a prescription. So, so now I found uh, my teacher and my my lineage and and practicing uh, this this uh, classical. Uh, philosophy of herbal medicine that dates back to the Han dynasty so it's been um it's been quite you know, revelatory for myself in my own practice um to understand herbs and, and uh because it you know it's really like uh one of the older parts of, of clinical Chinese medicine is Chinese herbology
1: mm-hmm which of these eight branches do you feel are most complementary to a life of tea?
0: Oh, for sure, the meditation is uh, is the branch that's going to connect with tea, and, and you know it's a chan yue, right? The Zen mm. and tea are one flavor. So the the meditative mind, uh, you know, tea is it's. In the meditative mind, they're they, they one. So, certainly, by far, tea, um, tea and meditation are are go together very well.
1: Mm-hmm. Are there any um, traditional Chinese medicine concepts that apply to tea, or or um, some principles that um, you know we can think about in terms of uh, our tea practice? Maybe seasonally, or or like uh, even on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, ser- certainly, um, se- you know, seasonally you want to be thinking about what uh, what types of teas you're drinking in comparison to to the weather, what the what, what the weather is uh, where you are. So, so of course, in the in uh, in the winter, you want to be drinking. Warming teas. I think we talked last time about uh, shopur a lot, and uh, you can add ginger to that if it's if it's very cold. You can even you can even boil the tea. That's going to add any t- any time you're like make adding more heat to something. Cooking it is going to add more more uh, we say warm war- warming chi to it. So boiling uh, boiling tea is certainly going to be something that you'd want to do in the in the cold time of year, and then as as we get into the the spring and, and the weather starts getting warmer, then you can start to drink some of those you know a bit like some of the red teas and the so the uh, roasted oolongs at that that time of year. Um, and then, of course, the hottest time of year, you can drink the the oolong, like lightly oxidized teas, oolongs, and, and green teas, white teas, lighter teas. You can even even do, say, a cold uh, cold steep tea when it's very hot. It's going to be cooling to the body. Mm-hmm. What about the
1: uh, branches of uh, different movement practices like qigong and? Tai Chi and, and cosmology and uh, also um, uh, feng shui, do they have any sort of effect, do you, do you think, on, uh, on a tea practice?
0: Certainly, Tai Chi is something I think it's intimately related to uh, a tea practice. Because again, like many of these uh, Chinese arts, so whether it's whether if it's calligraphy, or tea brewing, or Tai Chi, you know, you're, you're implementing a lot of these, the bot the movements and of the body are going to be um, the principles are, are the same, whether whether you're holding a calligraphy brush or, or uh, doing a, a Tai Chi, Tai Chi movement or or pouring tea. So you know, as would uh one of the things he says uh, when you're bringing tea is, of course, to like have both both feet on 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 the ground. Yeah. So, yeah, Tai Chi is is certainly something that uh, is gonna practicing Tai Chi will certainly benefit your tea practice.
1: As I guess it would benefit um, your whole life in in general. I imagine.
0: Well, for sure, it's gonna help with. Um, with balance, uh, it helps just like your gait and walking, helps with your posture, helps to it can even help physiological things like lower your, your blood pressure. It's good it's really good for your joints. You know, it it's it just it's a good movement practice that, that gets you more in your body because when you do Tai Chi the the right way and you learn from a good teacher you'll really be become more aware of of uh, how you're moving in your body you know how you where you're holding tension you know being able to principles like sinking your weight and moving from your your core your dantian so yeah this the, the principles and the benefits of tai chi certainly so then they extend further beyond the tea table
1: Mm. and because the body and mind of course are connected that also means that all these practices are affecting our mental state and vice versa um you know sitting in meditation also affects the the way we feel and even our things like digestion and uh has has again an effect on both our general life and and tea practice as well is, is what I find.
0: Yeah, you're slowing your body down. You have that like samadhi mind, you know, that that focused mind, that one pointed mind. You're doing s- slow movements. You know, whether it's tai chi or qigong or tea, Qi, you know, the the slower the better. Qi, Chi will move. You know, with slower movements, she will have more of a moving effect uh nourishing effect so you know slowing down the body is is going to yes settle down our nervous system increase uh secretions throughout the body slower heart rate calm our mind yeah they're beautiful practices
1: yeah one of the favorite aspects of your article um i find this is that uh these branches are all Complementary, and that some of the things like you mentioned you don't even need a doctor for you can uh, meditate on your own you can uh, do different um, movement practices um, even though having a teacher uh, will certainly help and uh, you can also pay attention to what you eat you can learn about herbal medicine and even like cosmology and all of that will have an effect on both your daily tea practice but also um, our lives as well so i want to thank you andy for sitting down with me and uh and thank you for having this uh insightful conversation with me Uh, and i want to thank all the listeners for tuning in and i hope to see you in the next podcast episode
0: thank you anas for having me
1: thanks again for coming andy Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea Wayfaring. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions or comments, feel free to drop me a line at connect at If you like the podcast and wish to support our efforts of building a free tea center, then please consider subscribing to the magazine at globalteahut.org. Thank you. I hope to see you in the next episode.